Good morning, friends. I'm Father Spencer. I'm one of the co-rectors here at the table, and I'm so honored to be able to proclaim good news to you all this morning in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Church, today we proclaim the good news that Jesus is awakening us to God's presence in the depths of reality. In despair, distraction, discontent, the womb of life is there, knitting all things back together and won't stop until everything is as it should be. Trust in the loving kindness of the divine and receive true presence today. One of the beautiful things about being able to preach from the lectionary is that there's these overlaying passages. So I come up from a different tradition where we don't preach the lectionary, and a lot of times we have a sermon series or we pick the theme and then pick a bunch of different passages that kind of corroborate the direction we wanna go. Sometimes that can be great, but I'm thankful as a preacher today for the gift of these overlaying, almost like those colored films that you can put over a gel that you can put over a light. So today we have four passages of different colors that we can just lay over one another and then look into the light and see what comes through, what image is coming to us. This is the beauty of Scripture. Scripture for us serves as the story of the Creator at work in creation as revealed to humanity. So scripture and tradition provide us with a picture of the character of the divine throughout time. Sometimes this picture seems clear, other times it seems very cloudy. Sometimes it's more of a hint or a whisper and we're left to discern what's happening. And that kind of begs the question of what it is that we're doing when we come together on Sundays. We don't come together every Sunday to celebrate our certainty about these things. Instead, we come together because part of what we're doing is we're trying to make sense of life today in light of what we have received in Scripture and tradition through the power of the Holy Spirit, of course, discerning in community what God has to speak to us today. I noticed as I was reviewing these four passages all week that there's an overlapping theme in these passages. In 1 Samuel, when David and his men returned to find their city burned, their wives and their children have been taken captive. The passage says, then David and the people wept until they had no strength to weep any longer. The psalm, in Joel's beautiful rendition of it this morning, says, how long, holy one, how long will you forget me forever? How long will I counsel myself with sorrow in my heart every day? You can almost hear it saying, God, where are you? You can sense the depth of despair in each of these passages. I remember when I was 19, I was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, going to a Bible school, and it was going into the second year of the program, and one of our friends that had gone through the first year of the program with us was in a car accident on a Friday evening as the rest of us were heading out of town. And so we were getting all this information via text or phone calls remotely from out of town. And I remember being in a room full of about 20 or 25 charismatic teenagers who were at Bible school. And so you can imagine probably the fervor of the prayers that were being offered up. And I remember just shouting out to God, I'm so sick of all this death and loss and the hardship of life. You've been there. You might be feeling that right now. Oftentimes our prayers are almost like greeting a stranger on the street. Hey, how's it going? How's your day going today, God? But I think 
part of the good news that we're receiving today is that we don't have to greet God like that. The divine is meeting us right where we're at, in the rawness of real life. So what is the answer to the depths of despair that we see in these passages? Is the purpose of Scripture to tell us to look on the bright side, to adopt an attitude of gratitude? Now, I want to be careful here. I'm saying that a little tongue-in-cheek. There is something to be said about adopting that type of attitude, looking to cultivate gratitude in your life. Scientifically, it's proven. We need to do that. Our brains naturally just hold on to negativity more than positivity. But what I'm saying today is that the purpose of the Bible is not to tell you to get over it or look on the bright side. In Matthew, Jesus is instructing his listeners not to treat children with contempt. Seemingly here, Christ is bringing correction to the cultural assumption that some parts of life, like childhood, are unimportant or beneath them. And so in correcting, bringing that correction, Jesus tells the story of the lost sheep, which many of us are probably familiar with. Jesus says, what do you all think? If a person has 100 sheep and one of them wandered off, would they not leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of the one that wandered off? If they find it, truly I tell you that they will rejoice over it more than over the 99 who did not wander off. Here again, we are reminded that Jesus did not exist within 21st century capitalism because this is just bad business. It's not worth the shepherd's time, really, to go after the one. I mean, honestly, how many hours could you spend? But here, Jesus is saying, in the same way, it is not the will of your Abba who is in heaven that these little ones should be lost, not even one. And so we are reminded right here in Scripture that in the midst of despair, in the, in the midst of reality, we don't have to look on the bright side because 99% ain't that bad. But for the good shepherd, 99% is not good enough. Brothers and sisters, God is calling you not to look on the bright side or to get over it, but instead Jesus is revealing that the divine is meeting you in the depths of reality. The creator won't be satisfied with 99% restoration, and you don't have to pretend that you are either. Jesus is drawing you into true presence today. That sounds nice, but how? What does true presence look like? In 1 Samuel, after they wept until they had no strength left to weep any longer, the people wanted to stone David. And the passage says that David strengthened himself in the Holy One, his God. The psalm starts off asking those questions, How long will you ignore me forever, God? But it closes by saying, Yet I trusted in your loving kindness. My heart will rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the womb of life because she has poured goodness on me. Now here, it's important to double-click on this. Trusting the divine does not mean denying the reality that you find yourself in currently. You're not gaslighting yourself into feeling more positive about something that feels negative to you. It's, it's both true. The situation, the thing that you're experiencing is negative. Where you're noticing God's absence is a question that you can bring to the divine. That's where you go with your questioning, with your concern, with your doubts. In Hebrews, the passage says that Jesus, as the pioneer of our salvation, has been perfected through sufferings, 
There's so much that could be said about this in so many different directions that I think would probably lead us slightly astray here in our theology. The message version says, it makes good sense that the God who got everything started and keeps everything going now completes the work by making the salvation pioneer perfect through suffering as he leads all these people to glory. So this is not masochism. This is not Jesus suffering because God invented some kind of cosmic rule where the only way God could be at peace with us is through suffering. What makes this suffering perfect or perfects Jesus as the salvation pioneer is that we suffer. In the incarnation, Jesus meets us and becomes not just next to us but like us and experiences all of life, not just the high points, not just the mountaintops, but every aspect of living. The Creator's response to human struggle is to join us, not to invite us into avoiding or denying it, but to join us in it so that Jesus can lead us through it, not to suck us out of it, not to float above it, but to move through that suffering into salvation. Some of you probably have heard from me in the midst of maybe a tension or a conflict of some sort, some sense of excitement. A lot of times people will come to me with questions or concerns about there being tension in a situation, and I'll just say, man, this is awesome. Like, there's something really going on here. And people usually laugh at that point in time, which is kind of part of the, you know, the plan. But as an Enneagram 8, what excites me about when there's conflict or tension is we are really like cutting through all the surface layers of things that are like insulating us from what's really going on in our hearts and minds and our bodies and in the hearts and minds and bodies of the people that we're around. And so when a conflict arises, we can discern what God is up to in that situation. We don't have to run from it. That doesn't mean that we can just trust how we feel and inflict our emotions or our power on somebody else, but we don't have to step away from or avoid it. We can move into it, trusting that Jesus will lead us through it. The Hebrews passage goes on to say that Jesus is not ashamed to call you brothers and sisters. So when Jesus came into creation through the incarnation and experienced every part of what it means to be human, grief, loss, desperation, pain, it wasn't done with resentment. The creator of the universe does not view what you're experiencing as lowly or beneath the divine. Church, where do you need to receive this good news today? Are you in touch with a situation where you're so tired of weeping, you don't feel that you can weep any longer? Or maybe it's not as dour as that. Maybe you just feel like there's some mundane element of your life that is just not worthy of God's attention. Maybe life feels too boring. To bring to the divine. Today, as we come to the table of our Lord, I want you to hold on to that as we respond, as we turn into prayer now and respond. Hold that in your heart and your mind. Don't look away from it, even if it's hard. Allow yourself, your body, your spirit, your mind, to trust that Jesus is drawing you into it so that you can move through it. I want you to bring that with you to the table today. I want you to hold that in your heart as we pray and as we pray for those who have departed this life ahead of us. 
It's an invitation to really hold that loss, not to say, it doesn't matter, we'll see them again, but to hold into it, enter into it and hold on to it in your heart, in the presence of the divine. You can bring that. If you're down and you don't know how to carry on, church, hide yourself in the source of life today. You can pray. Many of you maybe have already begun to do this. A lot of us are new to this tradition, but if you don't know how to start praying, we have the Book of Common Prayer. You can pray the daily office. You can bring prayers to the community, either privately, just one-on-one, or in the group me, or you can email in, however you're comfortable. We want to pray with you. God is so real that God can only meet you where you're really at. Now, I want to also say, do all the practical things too, right? We've learned a lot about how to get our bodies moving, and when we feel overwhelmed, there's like science and things outside of church that are helpful, right? It's not hold on to Jesus and don't go see your doctor. Here at the table, we fully endorse going to see a counselor. I totally recommend getting off social media if you can, going for a run. Those things will help as well, but your source of life is to bring those things to the divine. Bring where you're really at to God today. Keep moving. Don't give up. Beloved, you don't have to deny the reality that you find yourself in. Jesus is drawing you into true presence today. Feel what you feel. Notice where things are broken and hold those in your heart and bring them to the Creator. Walk in the knowledge that the divine will not be satisfied when things are 99% set right. God is restoring and resurrecting all things. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.